we're not talking about tonight. We're talking about the switch of faith. We've been here for quite a while. To begin tonight, I'm going to go with to, to the book of Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, uh, man, I hope you brought your Bible tonight. If not, it's going to be up here on the big screen. Get in a habit of bringing your Bible. It's very important, guys. I'll tell you, this is my thought for years and years in my own life. You get into the Word, and God will get into you. I'll tell you, it's that simple. And I've seen the Word of God move in my life and change an old boy that had huge issues. Man, I'm telling you, I was a mess. And so the Word of God will still work in your life. Now, talking about the switch of faith, three or four weeks ago, I don't know how far back it was, but we were talking about the law of legality. And I'm going to re refresh this just a little bit on that. When God gave mankind dominion, and he did, that's Genesis 1.28, he gave mankind dominion here on the earth. Remember, he said to Adam, he said, listen, buddy, you multiply, you have dominion, you take control. And so all the dominion that Father God had, he gave it to mankind on earth. Now, because of Adam's bad choice, all the dominion that was given to him was transferred over to the devil. That's why the devil is known as the God of this world or the God of this age. You don't believe me? Look at 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. It'll say that, and when you look at the word God there, it'll be little g. Little g, another good one to reference is Ephesians 2.2 2, that describes the devil as the prince of the power of the air. And so the devil has, he has legal dominion here, whether we like it or not. And so the only way God, now this can blow people's mind right here, but the only way that God has legal access to the earth is through human beings, is through mankind. Why do you think he used Adam? Well, he gave Adam the dominion, but ultimately he used Abraham, he used Jesus, he uses you, he'll use me, and that's how he's always done it, and that's how he's going to continue to do it. And so for God to have access here, he used mankind. He'll use me and you. And so think about some of this right now. One of the ways that we allow God legal access into our lives... Is when we pray. When we ask. When we ask him to come into our life. He cannot come into this realm without an invitation. Think about this with salvation. How do you get saved? You ask Jesus to come into your heart. In other words, you're giving him permission. Now think about this. It's God's desire that no man perishes. It's Father God's will that none perish. Actually, John 3.16 kind of says that. But will there be people perish? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know why? Because they never give God a legal avenue to come into their life. Now, all through the kingdom of God, there's legal ways that God moves here on the earth. One is when we ask him and when we pray. Also, John 14.14, 14, Jesus said this, that when you pray... Pray in the name of Jesus. That is a kingdom law. So anytime we go to God in prayer, we must do that, guys. We must come in the name of Jesus. He said also in Mark eleven twenty four. he said, Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them. And so also the kingdom of God operates also by faith. So there's some laws we must understand. Now one thing that will help you. Is, is you begin to ask yourself this question, do I have legality? 
Do I have legality? And, and this will help me when I begin to understand that through the name of Jesus and stuff, I have, I have legality. But just use this illustration just for a second. This may help you. Let's just say that Ernest, he comes to me and says, Pastor, uncle, my Uncle Joe is really sick. He's in bad shape. And he said, we need to pray that he's healed. Now, I'm not against praying for people that are healed, or need to be healed. I believe the Bible says that we lay hands on the sick and they recover. But listen, I don't lay hands on the sick without them inviting me. Think about that. Even when we say we're going to pray for the sick down here, if I said that after the service, you know who I know would give us legality in their life is the ones who come down here. And so really right here, even in Uncle Joe's life, who has legality. So Ernest says, Pastor, let's pray for Uncle Joe. And a few weeks later, Uncle Joe dies. We've all had that happen. And Ernest looks at me and says, Pastor, I don't understand. We were praying for him. We were praying for him. But where we get over to legality is this. What was Uncle Joe wanting? Because he had the legality in his life. See, we could have sitting here been praying for Uncle Joe, but what if Uncle Joe didn't want to live no more? We can't override that. See, where I'm getting at, even in legality of, of your children getting born again, once they get to a certain age, the legality goes to them. And I'm not saying don't pray for them anymore, but understand this, they have a choice. The laws of legality. Let me, let me just, let me help you one more thing real quick. This is coming to me. A little over a year ago, Pastor Daniel Berlanga, he had a massive heart attack. And I remember this very clearly that when we got to the, the emergency room, Miss Stella, Cynthia, Amy, I mean, they were praying. They were going at it and they were praying, there, which every one of us would do that. So through the course of time, Pastor Daniel shared this that he said, that when he's laying there in that emergency room, Jesus comes to him. And he looks at Pastor Daniel and says, I'm going to give you the choice. Do you want to go to heaven? Or do you want to stay here on earth? And Pastor Daniel said this. I want to stay here on earth. I want to see those granddaughters grow up a little more. The law of legality. Who had legality in his life? Pastor Daniel did. Now, here's the point in this. Miss Stella and Cynthia, they could have prayed their guts out. They could have said, we're going to fast and pray. We're going to stand for Pastor Daniel. We're going to get the whole church to pray. But ultimately, if Pastor Daniel would have said, I want to go, to go home and be with Jesus, nothing would have happened with their prayers because of the law of legality. So what I'm teaching here tonight, guys, is we've got to understand how the kingdom of God flows. And so anytime you want God to move in your life, you must ask him in the name of Jesus. You must give him permission. Now, with that thought, look here in Luke chapter number 12, and we're going to shift gears just a little bit. Luke 12, begin with me in verse 22. Now, I'm going to tell you, you're going to get blessed tonight. This is going to help you. Then he said, Jesus, to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. Now I want you to notice here what he starts talking about. What you will eat, nor about the body, or what you will put on. 
Now, everything right here that Jesus was talking about, and he says, don't worry about this, is provision. Everything in that verse is talking about provision. What you're going to eat, that's provision. How to take care of your body, that's provision. What you're going to wear, that's provision. Now, what ultimately happens, guys, without provision in our lives, there is no vision. Why do I say that? Because each one of you, when you go to work each day, that's your occupation, but that's not your calling. Jesus didn't expect you and me to live this, this life on this earth for all these years and just go to work and make a, a, a paycheck to eat, to buy clothing, whatever. I'm telling you, we're here for kingdom purpose. So where there's no provision, there is no provision. And so what ultimately starts happening is, if I don't have vision, I start spending all my energy, all my time, everything I've got trying to figure out, what am I going to do? How are we going to make it? You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have been there? How many are there right now? Where I begin to get over and I begin to worry and I had anxiety and I thought, oh God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Now, with that thought right here, jump with me. And I encourage you to read this whole passage here, but jump with me to verse 31. Jesus' words here, it says, but seek the kingdom of God, but seek the kingdom of God. And one translation says, but seek first the kingdom of God. Now, I want you to note real close here the promise. When you seek the kingdom of God first. Now, once again, when I see that right there, seek the kingdom of God first. To seek God is to give God legality in my life. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, uh, without faith it's impossible to please him. But he is a rewarder and a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. James 4, 8 says that if you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. So when I draw near to God, you know what I'm saying? Father God, I'm giving you permission to move in my life. So right here, he tells us, when I begin to seek the kingdom of God first, look at the promise, and all these things will be added to you. All these things. So what was he talking about? What things? What are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? How am I going to put gas in my car? And with God, it's all provision. God could care less how we use it. He just wants to take care of each one of them. Listen what the message says there. All your everyday human concerns will be met. Now, I like this right here. Now, look what he goes on to say in verse 32. Do not fear, little flock. Do not fear, little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, right there, you know what that tells me? It's Father God's will to give you the kingdom. Is that not what it said? But how many people will walk in that? Well, if I don't understand the law of legality, I'll never walk in it. It's the same with salvation. I said earlier, it's God's will that none will perish. But there's going to be people perish. And so right here, he's telling us two ways to live. One, we can live with worry and anxiety. If you want to live that way, saying go ahead. Or second of all, we can start learning how the kingdom of God operates and how the kingdom of God flows right here. And he's telling me here, it's God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You know what the kingdom is? The resources of heaven. 
everything that Father God has. Now, you know what's fixing to happen? He's fixing to tell me and you how you tap into the kingdom. He's fixing to tell us, you want to know how you make it legal? Do you? Well, this is what he's fixing to tell us. It's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, look what he says in verse 33. Sell what you have and give alms. And when I look at that, I think, no wonder why he was telling people, don't fear here. Don't fear here. Because he starts talking about, if you want to tap into the kingdom of God, where, where everything that he has is accessible to you, you got to learn to give. Now, in most of our lives, you know what we think when we read that? I don't even have enough for me. I don't even have enough to take care of my family. I live on barely get along street. I've thought that. I've looked at this over and over and over. So right here, you know what I think the Lord is telling us? If you'll hook up and understand giving, he's telling us how the kingdom operates and flows, but he's also telling us a new way to live. He's saying if you'll begin to get a hold of this, if you'll notice here, he said give. He didn't say stockpile it. He didn't say hoard it. Now look what happens in verse 33. When I give. He said, provide yourself money bags. Now what's interesting to me right here is the word bags. It's plural. He didn't say provide yourself a money bag. He said provide for yourself money bags, plural. The message says this. Let me find out where I'm at. The message says, a bank that cannot go bankrupt. Now, how's this happen, guys? He's saying, get you some money bags once you become a giver. Now, listen to what he goes on to say here. Which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail. It's unfailing or inexhaustible. Now, keep reading here with me. That does not fail where no thief approaches, nor moth destroys. As I read this right here, when I begin to invest into the kingdom of God, and how do I do that? I become a giver. The moths can't eat them up. The thieves can't run with them. They can't take them. There's going to be a supply from the kingdom of God. Now, once again, the thought comes to most of us right here, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. Now, when we think about when Jesus, remember he had the 5,000 that came out, 5,000 men. And Jesus begins to tell his disciples, you feed them, you take care of them. And they said, we don't have nothing. Remember this, that Jesus asked the disciples, he said, what do you have? What do you have? Now think about the disciples' response. We've got five loaves and two fishes. Not enough. Very, very, very insignificant, isn't it? I mean, you look and think, we're going to feed 5,000 off of this. Now when Jesus said, what do you got? And they told him, it didn't move Jesus a bit. You know what Jesus said? Bring it to me bring it to me now you know what this represents legality 
When I give my money to the Lord Jesus, something's fixing to happen. And so Jesus right here said, bring it to me. Now when they gave it to Jesus, this is my thought. They're looking at each other and they're thinking, surely he's not going to break that up into 5,000 little crumbs. Surely Jesus is smarter than that. So they give it to Jesus. Now, you know what happens a lot of times? Even when the Lord deals with me and you to give something that we feel like is insignificant, a lot of times we'll say, I'm not going to give that. I'm not going to do that. That's too insignificant. But when they gave the five loaves and the two fish to Jesus, the scripture said that Jesus blessed it and Father God multiplied it. So what happens there is when we sow into the kingdom of God, ultimately Jesus blesses it. It changes allegiance. And ultimately in this passage, there were 12 basketfuls left over. So once again, you begin to see something here. Now go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Hang in here with me. Don't let this freak you out yet, okay? We're going somewhere with this tonight that's going to help you. How do you know it's going to help you? Because it has been working me over. Now, there must be laws that God has held to. Every kingdom is, is dictated by laws. There's, God, there's, there's laws that God is held to also. You know what one of the laws are in this earth for the kingdom of God? It's a thing called sowing and reaping. You can look over and over in the Bible. It talks about sowing and reaping. Now look here with me. 2 Corinthians 9. Verse 6, but this I say, he who sows, who gives or plants sparingly. The Amplified says, stingy. He tips God. And he who sows bountifully or lavishly will also reap lavishly. Now, when I begin to look at this, in the kingdom, in order to have a harvest, you got to sow. And you're either going to be a person that sows stingy, you're going to be a bountifully giver, or you're not going to sow nothing at all. Now listen, think about this with the farmer. If a farmer didn't plant anything, you think he'd be expecting a harvest? No, he's not. And so I don't know why Christians believe God's going to bless them until I begin to sow. I got to sow and I get to keep sow. Now, Luke 6.38 says this, give, 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 and it'll be given back to you. Good measure. Press down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom. Now this is the part I want you to hear. With the same measure that you use, it'll be measured back to you. Now here's what we're going to get into for the rest of the night. What is the measure? What is the measure? Because a lot of times, I believe we've looked at the measure as quantity, as this big amount instead of quality. So many times in my life I thought, I don't have anything to give that's any significance. Look over with me to, to uh, Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. And I believe this is how almost every one of us think at times. I don't have anything to give. But I believe we do. I believe we do. And this is where we got to learn. Even, 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 even if you think you don't have nothing. And you've got to start giving. And watch what God will do. Luke 21, verse 1. And Jesus looked up 
And he saw how the rich people were putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. Now, you know what two mites was? Nothing. I mean, that was, in men's eyes, that was nothing. Almost like, why would you even put two pennies in? But this poor widow puts this in. Now, remember here, in verse 1 of this, Jesus is watching how they put in. You know what I think he was watching? One, their attitude how they gave. And number two, even how much. So he watches this poor widow put in. Now, get this. So he said, truly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. Now, wait a minute. Every time I read that, I would think, if Jesus said this poor widow put in more than all, if every one of us started looking and we saw what she put in, we'd say, she didn't give more than all. She didn't do nothing. But right here, I believe the Lord Jesus is trying to tell us, guys, it's not in the amount. It's in the quality of the amount. And so look what happens here in verse 4, what he goes on to say. For all these out of their abundance, out of their surplus, they've put in offerings for God. But she, out of her poverty, her lack or her want, put in all the livelihood that she had. Now, here's the question. Which one of these took more faith to give? The ones who put in out of their abundance? Or this one who put in all that she had, her poverty? And as I looked at this, one took great faith. One didn't take faith at all. Actually, when I begin to look at this more and more, when I give out of my abundance, you know what that means? I'm really not even going to miss it. It really didn't do nothing to affect me. Actually, I didn't get out of my comfort zone. And so think about this. What moves you when you give? Where's your faith at this? Does it get you out of your comfort zone? I'm going somewhere with this. Does it get you out of your comfort zone? Because I believe that's what God wants to do. When it doesn't move me to give, it doesn't move God. And go with me way back in the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. And as you're turning there, as you find that, let me tell you a true story here. There was a man who was a farmer, farming 1,400 acres. Was barely making it. I mean barely. On the verge of losing his whole farm. He started going to a church that preached the word of God, that taught faith like this. And the real reason he started going there was he started dating this girl who went there. And this woman that was dating him looked at him and said, I'm going to tell you right now, the only way I'll date you is if you go to my church. Some of you ladies that are wanting to date, heed this. And she said, and also, if I ever do marry you, this is where we're going to go to church. We're not going to another church. And she set the ground rules right there. And I said, tell him. So he goes to this church for a year. And he begins to hear the word of God. Now, he's never heard this. Like many of us have never heard stuff like this. The law of legality, how things happen. So he begins to hear it. So he goes to the pastor and he said, listen, I've never tithed in my life. He said, I've tipped God on occasion. But he said, I've heard what you've talked about for a year. 
And he said, I'm going to honor God this whole year consistently. Every time I have increase, I'm going to honor the Lord. I'm going to give. So he does. He honors God. At the end of that year, the yields that he had were bigger than he had had in any previous year. Now, you know what he understood? This wasn't coincidental. This was God. So he came back in after that year and he looked at the pastor and he said, you know what? He said, I'm going to up my giving. I'm going to up my giving. In other words, I'm not going to allow myself to get comfortable. I'm going to up my giving. So he increased his giving. The next year, his yield jumped again. He comes in the next year and he says, I'm going to double what I started two years ago. In other words, I'm going to start giving 20% of my increase. He said the next year, his yield doubled. Now, this was a man who had never done any of this. So the next year, he said, I'm going to up my giving more. He just keeps up and he keeps not allowing himself not to get comfortable. Well, the next year that he does it, there's a drought all over the region he lives in. Now, even in the drought, he said that all the land that bordered his land, they were plowing it under. It was dying. He said, mine was thriving. He said, actually, when my yields came in, they were 5% more than even the year before. So this one farmer who lives next to him and came and said, what's your secret? I know it's a fertilizer or something you're using. And he said, no. He began to tell him about the kingdom of God. Well, this farmer lived next to him and said, listen, I'm going to go bankrupt. I'm going to lose everything I got unless I can sell 500 acres. Would you be interested? He said, yeah. He paid cash for it. Never paid cash in his life. The next year, he doubles his giving again. So now he's up to 40%. He plants, and a flood comes and wipes it out. He replants, and a week later, a flood comes and wipes it out. He finally gets in the third planting, and now it's so late that when the harvest comes, he doesn't have a crop. So he goes in and looks at his pastor and said, Pastor, he said, I sowed into the kingdom of God. Now listen, this is where he stood. He said, remember in Luke 12 where it said that get my money bags ready, that moths can't eat it, that thieves can't come and steal it. And he said, you know what? I sowed into the kingdom of God. And it's God's good pleasure to give me that kingdom. So he said, I don't know what God's fixing to do. But he said, I know he's going to do something. He hadn't given up. He planted that seed. Remember, man, in the kingdom of God, when you plant that seed, a week later, he gets a letter in the mail from his insurance company. The top of the page, it says, I just want to remind you that this year, you rejected hail and wind insurance. And he said, down there at the bottom, he looked and it said, but you did buy flood insurance. Now, he looked at his wife, and who he ends up marrying, and he says to her, he said, dear, I've farmed for so many years of my life, and he said, never have I bought flood insurance. He said, I don't know what's going on. So he calls his insurance agent and said, now tell me about this flood insurance. And he said, yeah, on, on your application, that flood insurance is checked. And he said, I don't know if he did it, but he said, I know I didn't. And he said to his insurance rep, he said, well, what does that mean? And he said, next week you're going to get a check for 113000 And so I began to listen to these. And I could tell you story after story on these. 
And it began to stir me up. It began to stir me. I'm telling you guys, it began to stir me up and everything. And so, oh, I don't know how many months ago, I asked myself this question. Do I give out of my surplus or do I give where it moves me? And you know what I said to Shelly? I said, my moving doesn't give me. I've honored God for years and years, but it doesn't move me. So you know what I said? We're up in the ante, dear. We're up in the ante, and we're up in it and up in it and up in it. Now look here in 2 Kings, and I want to show you some things here. 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. There was a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets, and she cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And most believe this was Obadiah. Your servant... My husband is dead, and you know that your servant, he feared the Lord. In other words, he lived for God. But get this. And the creditor, the banker, is coming to take my sons to be his two slaves. In other words, I can't pay my debts, my bills. I'm in trouble. This isn't a good day. Verse 2. So Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? Right there, guys, you know what he's saying? What shall I do for you? Give me permission. I'm asking you, tell me, what can I do for you? Now, if you were here a few weeks ago, think about this. In Mark 10, verse 52, there was a blind man named Bartimaeus. It's clear he's blind. When he hears Jesus, he starts yelling out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And all the people said, shut up. Now, that's my paraphrase edition. Be quiet. Well, gee, keep crying out louder and louder. And finally, Jesus says, bring him here to me. Now, think about this. When they bring the blind man, blind Bartimaeus, to Jesus, what was the first thing Jesus asking? What do you want me to do for you? Why did Jesus ask him that? Give me permission to move in your life. Now, in the natural, you know, it'd been easy to say, come on, Jesus, it's pretty clear he doesn't have the chicken pox, he's blind. But yet, once again, he's saying, give me permission, give me legality. So right here, Elisha says, what do you want me to do? Now, get this. Tell me, what do you have in the house? What do you have? Don't tell me what you don't have. Tell me what you do have. Now, remember when Jesus fed the 5,000, he asked the disciples, what you got? What you got? Now, listen to her response here. And she said, your maidservant has nothing. Nothing. I ain't got nothing. But a jar of oil. But a jar of oil. Now, in her eyes, you know what she's saying once again? This is very insignificant. Really, Elijah, I don't have nothing. Now, I've been there, guys, in my life where I thought, I don't have nothing. Got some shoes. Got some clothes. You got some things. You got a little more than you think. As long as you got something, you got some seed. And so he tells her this. Now, look what he goes on to say here. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels, and do not gather just a few. Don't gather just a few. In other words, he's telling her, paint a picture. Have some big faith. Don't get just a few. Get a bunch. Now remember in Luke 5, when, when Jesus borrowed Peter's boat, and after he did, Jesus basically said to him, I want to bless you. And he told Peter, let down your nets for a catch. 
He was telling Peter, begin to see big, buddy. But remember when Peter went fishing, you know what he did? He put down a net. Now right here, Elisha, think big, darling. Think big. Ooh, let me skip through here. Verse 4, i got to move fast. And when you've come in, you shall shut the door behind you. Your son's important all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him, shut the door behind her sons who brought the vessels there, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there's not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Now here's the question I ask you. Do you think the oil would have ceased if she had had more vessels? I don't. I really believe it. When he said, get all the vessels, I think as long as she had had vessels, but she couldn't see any bigger than that. Mm, My knee caught. She couldn't see any bigger than that. And so once again, I believe this woman, if she would have just relied on her faith and started trusting her, she would have been the first oil tycoon. I really believe that. Just like he he said, and it's, it's my father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now ultimately... Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. Now, once again, my point is this. So many times we look at what we don't have instead of saying, Man, God's blessed me. I got things. I got some things. Now, there's been some things happening in my life, and I'm going to be careful here on sharing some of this, but I had begun to sow some seed. And the Lord had begun to deal with me to give. To give some, uh, a thing away. And I'm telling you, I got excited about giving, guys. I really did. I got excited. I told Shelly, this is what I'm going to do. Well, right now I'm trying to sell her car. And so uh, I believe it's sold in the name of Jesus. But this is what I told the Lord. I said, Lord, when that car sells, then I'm going to give that away. Now, I purpose it in my heart, God. I'm going to give it away. There's no doubt in my I'm giving. I'm gi- I can't wait. I know who I'm going to give to. And I'm excited. Golly, I'm excited. I'm in here praying the other day, and the Lord said this to me. He said, you got it backwards. He said, you keep saying when her car sells, then you're going to give. He said, if you'll give, then I'll sell your car. Now, you know what that did? That stretched me. That got me out of my comfort zone. And so I was kind of reluctant to tell Shelly this because you know what I, I knew she would I knew she would say, then give it away. So I went in there and I told her, I said, dear, this is what the Lord's telling me to do, that I got to give that away. And she said, yeah, you got to do it. Now, listen, guys, I, I, don't, I don't want, I'm, I'm not saying this to glorify me a bit. I'm just obeying God here. But what the Lord really began to deal with me, and this is how God will deal with you too. If you'll begin to get the heart of a giver. I had a young man in the church who loves God. Graduated from high school. Oh, a number of months back, he came to me and he said, Pastor, I want to buy your little pickup. My little Ford Ranger. And I said to him, well, that's great, but it's not for sale. And so he kind of looked at me and he said, well, if you ever decide to sell it, I want to buy it. Well, I went home that day and I told Shelly, I said, I'm not going to sell him that pickup. I'm supposed to give it to him. So, through the course of all this, my thought is when her car sells, I'm going to give him my pickup. And the Lord said, no, you give him that pickup and then your car will sell. And so, man, my, my mind didn't like my, I was like, I don't know that I want to do that. And so the voice of the Holy Spirit, once again, my wife said, no, you need to do it. So I said, okay. 
So some of you have asked, I mean, Andy Norse came to prayer last night. He said, Pastor, you weren't there. I didn't see your truck there. Well, I didn't say, I don't have my truck anymore. I don't have a vehicle right now. God's fixing to bless me with something. So Saturday night, I wheeled up and I knocked on the boy's door. And I said, I, I came to give you something. And his mom and dad came out and they said, what are you going to give us? And I said, well, I, I'm supposed to give you that truck. And oh my gosh, I got so blessed. God, I'm telling you, it blessed me, it blessed me, it blessed me. I got so blessed. First of all, to see his mama cry, but to see an 18-year-old get excited over a 91 Ford Ranger. <laughs> you know what a lot of teenagers would say? I don't want that piece of junk. He was so blessed, man. I could see him sitting in it and everything. And so, man, I'm telling you, it moved me to give like that. And you know what I realize? That's Luke 12. He said, give. Just give and tap into the kingdom. And so, pastor, what's going on? I'm just obeying God and moving in this area. And you know what stirred me up? I read just this week. Stand up, man. I got to get you out of here. Stand up with me. I read where this one man, get this. He gave away nine cars in 18 months. And I thought, Dad, I'm going to have to get busy. <laughs> so what the deal is, guys, I'm telling you here, don't get comfortable. Don't give comfortable. Begin to honor God and begin to honor God and quit thinking, well, it's just the 91 Ranger. I tell you, those things are blessings. And so each one of us, I mean, I got to begin to look at my life and say, okay, Lord, okay. Some of you got more junk in your closet. You got so many shoes, you couldn't wear them for the next five years. Some of you elbowing your wife right now. But I look, and we're, we're all so blessed. We're blessed to be a blessing. And I believe, guys, the law of legality is God's just saying, this is what you do. When you put the kingdom at first, all these things will be at. And he said, don't fear, little flock. And once again, you know what I think he's saying, little flock? It's God, not very many of us are ever going to get it. And you know what? This may stretch you tonight. I hope it does. I hope it stretches you where it pops you and you say, man, i got to get busy because this is what God did with me. And when I heard the story about the farmer, I thought, too many times I've gotten comfortable. God doesn't want me comfortable. God doesn't want me comfortable. He wants me to be a giver. And oh, when I get blessed, I'm blessed to be a blessing. I'm blessed to be a blessing. Pastor, are you nervous about No. I'm not nervous. I mean, the day after I gave it away, another young man in the church said, Pastor, my truck's just sitting. Why don't you drive mine? So I've been driving his. I don't know what God, but I know it's good. I know it's good. Bow your head with me. Father, we love you tonight.